With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Riley's going to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Adarius Bowman with the TD. Steal by Connor McDavid. 99 points. Looking to make it 100. Over the line. Dish us off. Back for score. There it is. That's 100 points for Connor McDavid. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. Well, we're off and running into the 17-18 hockey season training camp for the Oilers starting today. Medicals, physical testing for the players. They'll be on the ice at Rogers Place tomorrow. Preseason games, split squad action on Monday. Oilers and Flames will be playing both at the Saddle Dome and here at Rogers Place. We'll have the game in Edmonton for you on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the face-off show. Puck drop at 7. A lot to get to. Tonight, Todd McClellan, uh, as, as he often is, very candid in his remarks and uh, making some very interesting comments about where the Oilers' lineup could be heading and some of the goals for players as we're moving into the season. You'll hear from Ryan Strom, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins as well, and uh, those are two players who I think that uh, you know a, a fair bit of the Oilers' offensive production will hinge on as we move into the season. I, I wonder this, and by the way, uh, we do have open line time, especially in the first hour, 780-496-0063, or you can text 630-630. I know the Oilers' discussion certainly now really going to ramp up with games around the corner. You know, I'm wondering after... All the issues the team had during the decade of darkness, and, and there were a lot, and I don't want to pin the the playoff absence on just one or two things, but a, a primary complaint was defending, keeping pucks out of their own net, and that, and I think that was a, the maybe the biggest issue that a lot of you had. You know, you had not very good defensemen a lot of years. You never really had solid goaltending. I mean, there were there were some maybe decent years. Dubnik had a, a very good year, actually, during the lockout-shortened season. But preventing goals was always a big issue for the Oilers. You know, they, they we'd talk about them getting hemmed in. We'd talk about them getting, you know, boxed in their own end, all that kind of stuff. And, and they, you know, they had some exciting offensive players, especially near the end of the, the 10-year playoff drought. But I wonder if you go into this season... If many of you are more concerned about where the goals will come from as opposed to defending goals. Now, this clearly isn't as serious as a problem as we saw the defensive deficiencies during the decade of darkness. But the goals for this, the goal for the Edmonton Oilers is not to squeak into the playoffs, is not to play meaningful games in March and all that other mumbo-jumbo that we used to have to settle for. The goal is to now to go very deep in the playoffs and hopefully win the Stanley Cup. And to do that, they're going to need 
more than Dreisaitl and McDavid driving the offensive bus. So where does the helping scoring come from, and are the players that are in this lineup as we move into the season equipped to do it, to bring the team to an elite level? Because I think the team as it is, is at a good level, maybe even the level of being a very good team. But to win the Stanley Cup, there still has to be another degree of separation, another degree of elevation. So if we use that as the standard and not just making the playoffs or just not finishing last, you know, is the offense more of an area of concern than the defense? I'm curious. I'm curious to know what people think. You have Cam Talbot in net, who, let's face it, for almost two full seasons has given the Oilers reliable and very good, if not excellent, goaltender goaltending. Uh, I mean, sure, his first six weeks as an Oiler were kind of shaky. He was splitting time with Anders Nielsen. Since that game, well, really mid-December, back in his first year with the team, he's been he's been very, very good with very few cracks. Defensively, a lot of the defensive guys are back. Now, Andre Sekera will be out for at least a couple of months, but you got continuity there. Guys are back. You hope you know you get continued growth from Clefbaum, Larson, Benning, and Nurse, and, and there you go. Like I wonder if you're more confident about the Oilers getting the puck out of their own end rather than what they will consistently do in the attacking end. And I guess we're more specifically talking about when McDavid and Drysdale aren't on the ice, or if players who get to play with those guys are going to be step up, uh, step up, and grab those opportunities. For me, that's one of the storylines going into the season. So we're, we're going to talk about that uh, before we dive in. That I just want to quickly give you the update here. The Cleveland Indians have won 21 straight games. If they win tonight, they'll have the second longest winning streak in the history of Major League Baseball. Uh, solo right now, they're in a tie with a couple other historical teams. They're 1 1 with the Kansas City Royals that game in Cleveland. They're in the bottom of the fourth. The record held by the 1916 New York Giants, who by the way. They won 26 in a row, did not make the playoffs. You had to finish first in the standings to win your league, and then you played in the World Series. Uh, as a matter of fact, the New York Giants that year finished 86-66. and 66. Their winning streak was in September. They were 59-62 and 62 at the start of it. It was late in the season. They never got closer than five games out of first place. So they were below 500 team when they they went on this uh, incredible winning streak. Finished 20 games over 500, fourth in the National League to the Brooklyn Robins, as the Dodgers were known during that uh, series. What you did, we had the New York Giants, you had the Brooklyn Dodgers, and you had the Bronx Batmen. So you had the Batmen and the Robins. Kellen Kennedy is considering whether or not that's true. I doubt that it is. Something tells me it isn't. But your woman's intuition is <laughs> telling you that I may be, maybe telling a bit of a fib there. Yeah, yeah, you might be uh, exaggerating the truth a little bit. All right. Uh, again, you can text six thirty six thirty. The phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. So the Oilers did uh, the, the, the testing today. Media availabilities with several guys. Todd McClellan came out relatively early in the day, and as usual, the coach had a lot to say, a lot of interesting stuff to say. And we will start down the right side. Our unknown, in my opinion, comes on the right side right now. Um, you know, especially with Slepyshev out and, and injured, and and Strom coming in as a new player. We've got to we've got to see where. He fits and how he gels with with uh, different line mates. So the right side, in my opinion, is the uh, is the wild card um, position on our team right now. Uh, therefore, we tend to have pairs uh, 
uh, left and center, and uh, we'll go with, um, I don't want to call it comfort because I don't think there's anything um, that's easy, but uh, the familiarity of uh, pairs uh, helps early in the season, and uh, that's why you'll see Patty Maroon and, and Connor together and uh, Leon and Luch. Um, Nuge won't have that comfort, but uh, he's a very bright player, and um, he'll be able to adjust with his new line mates. All right, and we'll talk more about Nugent Hopkins later on because I think he's a big key to what might happen this season as well. So, uh, look, I think Maroon going to stay on McDavid's left wing to, to no one's shock. Lucic with Dreisaitl as they finished in the playoffs. The right winger, now Anton Slepyshev is injured for the start of camp. It, it, it doesn't sound like he's going to miss any regular season time. So down the right wing... You have Ryan Strom, Yessi Puglia-Yarvi, Zach Cassian, and Drake Kajula. So, I mean, look, you're, you're looking at opportunities for Strom, Kajula, Puglia-Yarvi to play possibly in the top six or at the very least with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think you're going to see Cassian on the fourth line with Letestu once we get going tomorrow. So, first of all, before, before because the, the Strom stuff is really interesting, but I, I know a lot of people ask about Yessi Puglia-Yarvi. Here's what McClellan had to say about him. No, I, I want to see a player that's a little more confident and feels like he belongs here. Um, the confidence level should be higher. Already you can tell the language and the understanding and comfort is higher than it was last year at this point. Um, yes, he's a very um, uh, proud individual. He's very hard on himself. And um, there's no such thing as playing the perfect game. So he's got to understand he's allowed to make some mistakes and, and he's allowed to err and it's not perfect all the time and you have to, uh, to quickly recover from that. And um, I think we'll see that as he gets a little, little more confident, confident pardon me, and ages a little bit. And I think that's what, and Peter Shirelli said it in interviews he did in Penticton, Jesse Puglia-Yarvey, you know, maybe a little bit longer to adjust coming from the other side of the world than some other people and the language and the culture and all that kind of stuff. I think still a pretty good player there and a good chance to be on the Oilers roster. All right. Uh, okay, I'll got the, I'll do the phone call first here. we got Elvis, 780-496-0063. Elvis, I hope you had a great summer. What's going on? Oh, I had a fantastic summer and hope you did too. Uh, just, just listening, Reed, and you know what? The biggest thing that comes to mind for me is that you, we learned so many years how to lose. Uh, it was just kind of accepted and expected. And these guys may did something last year that nobody expected them to do. And if you look at Pittsburgh, how they, uh, what they did last year without the Tang and some of their key pieces on on defense, I think we've got a total different, uh, total different mix and a total different confidence and and the big building and everything that goes with it. I think, I think these guys are, are ready to, uh, to uh, make, quite, make quite a statement again this year. I, I truly believe that. Well, that'd be great. And, and look, we both know that the, the confidence side of it is important. And, and I mean, you're right. The, 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 the team before, you know, the rosters weren't as good as this year's team. Plus... If things went bad, you know, you couldn't help. It's just human to think, here we go again, when you've been through it, and maybe you don't, you don't believe that you're going to be able to pull out of it. I, it the important thing is here, 
the the players know the expectations. How do they handle those expectations? Do they embrace having the target on their back? Do they believe that they're good enough, not just to finish in the top three in the division, to win the division, finish as high in the standings overall? You know, I think McDavid definitely has that. Clearly, he's going to be the guy who's steering the bus here. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, sometimes you look at rosters and say, well, why has this team missed the playoffs three straight years and this team has made the playoffs three straight years when there might not be much to choose but from between the two rosters? And sometimes that thing that separates it is the experience of having won, right? And the experience of having good things happen and try to play and made an aggressive play and, and had it work and listening to your coach and having it work as opposed to failing in those situations. So I think that's a fair point. I Hopefully a, a, a relatively successful season is something that propels the team forward. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we've got, we, we've, we've noticed it last year ourselves, uh, that, that we have a coach that will turn around, and he's not afraid to pull the blender out and get after it. If things aren't going well, he, but he, you know, he's with his twosomes, right? Well, right, and, and and versatility is something that we're going to talk about here as we move into the next segment. Elvis, I know you'll be calling a lot this season, buddy. It's good to hear from you. Thanks, Reed. I really appreciate it. Okay, 780-496-0063 if you want to time in. And he mentioned the blender with Todd McClellan. One of the players brought that up in his interview today. We'll get to that when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, you'll hear from the Nuge as we move along tonight. We'll keep you updated on the Cleveland Indians going for win number 22 in a row. They're in a 1-1 tie with the Royals in the fifth. Thursday night football has Houston at Cincinnati. So Brendan Ulrich feverishly watching the television tonight, supporting the Cincinnati Bengals. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. This texture says, I think the Drake and the Nuge are going to have great years to help out the scoring. I think the scoring will be fine. Strom is my wild card. That is from Bubs from the Electron Factory. I did not know we had an Electron Factory in Edmonton. That must be in the Electron District. And Maniac Steve texting in. Uh, he says uh, the Oilers are going to score 300 or more goals this season. I just did a quick Google during the commercial. Last time we had a team score 300 or more goals in a year, Ottawa and Detroit did it in 05 06. A lot of goals that year coming out of the lockout. I'll tell you what, Maniac Steve, if they start calling penalties, maybe the Oilers will have like more penalties, like actually calling the rule book. Is that, is that, is that like. Is that, is that too sarcastic? I think, I think that's true. If the NHL actually calls its rule book, which for some reason it often decides not to do, more power plays, likely more goals. Uh, the last time the Oilers scored 300 or more goals in a season, 1989-90. 315. Pretty good playoff result. Of course, the Oilers scored 400 or more goals in a season five consecutive years. 82 to 86. Pretty incredible. Oh, my goodness. Rocket's on the phone line. Hi, Rocket. How you doing, Reed? Doing quite well. Welcome back. Yes. Well, I never went away, but thanks. 
Oh, you must have taken some kind of holiday at some point down the road. I've been listening, so I know you've been on. So yes, no, that's cool. I'm just bugging you. Uh, hey, you know, I was. I, I'm really curious about this. Is this year seems to be really, really curious to me, and I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in in odds makers putting us as high as they're putting us, and and if that puts any more pressure on this team. Uh, following up with the next, you know, with the, you know, with another good season, which is, you know, what Todd McClellan's basically preaching, right, is to improve upon, you know, where where you were at last year and and uh, and, and go forward from there. Um, but it's there's there's concern. I I was interested in him saying there was concern on, you know, the biggest concern is on the right side. But there's also like the unknown on defense because of Sakara. So there's like a concern and an unknown that you know are completely two different things. And it's interesting to see how the defense and how that right side pans out with you know line combinations on on both forward and defense. And I just kind of was curious of what your thought was on. You know Vegas odds and added pressure, and I'm glad I'm glad you asked me about those Vegas odds, Rocket, because I I think those are fun. But here's the thing: I mean, Vegas is trying to guess who people are going to bet on, right? And I think they're aware that the Oilers had a much improved season. They were really close to beating Anaheim. They got the league MVP. They got the league leading score. I, I mean now. Now we're 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 in a situation where we might have been with Gretzky in the '80s, where you might ask an average American to name five hockey players, and they would actually say an Edmonton Oiler, right? And that yeah, usually exactly. wouldn't yeah, usually wouldn't be the case. So they're relying on those people going in, you know, dropping some money, you know, fifty bucks on a team, and then and then leaving town and going back to Louisiana or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I do I look. I know there are some books that have the Oilers second favorite to the Penguins. Do I think the Oilers are a pretty good team? Yes. Do I think they're the second best team in the NHL? Quite frankly, I don't. But. Maybe by March 31st, I'll have a different answer going going into the postseason. But I mean, those like you know what that's like, Rocket. They yes, they base it on how good a team is, but they also base it on who they think people are going to bet on. Because if the Oilers do win the Stanley Cup, they don't want to have had them at 25 to one and lose a whole bunch of money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the unknowns and the concerns are the biggest factors in this, right? Like you have. Um, the unknowns whether or not we're going to have uh, these defensemen step up and, and, and replace the Kara, which I think is I think is highly possible. But uh, but again, I'll begin, Rocket. I, I think we're talking about the the unknowns and the uncertains, maybe holding the Oilers back from winning the division, still making the playoffs, but not finishing as high as we would like, as opposed to being a bottom feeder. I, I think that's the difference now in the tone of the discussion. It's going to make it a lot of fun this year to watch. Rocket, I hope to hear from you again soon. Yeah, you bet, man. Take care. That's Rocket at 780-496-0063. Okay, I want to get to some interesting tape because McClellan said some interesting stuff about Ryan Strom, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins said some interesting stuff about himself. We'll get to that in the next half hour. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 
All right, good to have you tuning in tonight, 634. We have the Eskimos and the Argos Saturday afternoon, 12.30 for the countdown to kick off, 2 o'clock for the start of the game. Eskimos trying to snap that four-game losing streak. They are still 7-4 and four on the season. Then we have Oilers and Flames from Rogers Place, preseason opener. That'll be Monday night, 5.30 for the start of our coverage, and then the game will begin at 7. All right, it, it's, it's regulars night here on uh, Inside Sports. We had Elvis call in. We had Rocket call in, and now, with his own theme song, at 780-496-0063, it's Chris from Phoenix. Hi, Chris. Hey, what's up, dude? Just, just chilling out. I assume you can't chill out there. It's probably still, like, plus 400. It's, uh, what's it called? Uh, Beverly Hills Countdown. What's that? It's I can't... Oh, Chris, we got we got a bad connection. Kellen, see if we can we can clean that up because we we gotta have. Uh, oh, I gotta put him on hold. So, sorry. Oh, no, <laughs> I just hit the wrong button. Chris, we'll put we'll put you on hold there because you're coming through all muddled. I think he made a Beverly Hills Cop reference, which is appropriate because we were playing the Heat Is On by uh, by Glenn Fry. While we're doing that. Oh, do we have him better? We think we have him better. Okay. Well, then we'll just go right back to him. So, Chris, you're going to go home and watch Beverly Hills Cop? Is that what you were saying? No, no. I was, I was just trying to crack in a joke there. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I shut my AC off, so it might have been, that might have been bottling. You know, I'm driving my truck right now. So oh, it's a great time of the year right now. It's uh, the, the heat is, is coming down. You know, it's finally going to be under 40 degrees down here, so it's awesome. Uh, I'll be able to go home and sit in front of my, in my patio and uh, drink some adult beverages. Oh, wait, and Oilers hockey's coming back. Hell yeah, can't wait. I'm not worried. This team is, gonna, is poised to kick some butt. We have, so many, we have so many vets on this team, and we have this one guy named, uh, yeah, McDavid. Yeah, so we'll be fine. Uh, I think it's time for some of our players to step up, primarily Nurse. I think Nurse is, gonna, is, gonna, is poised to have a, a big step forward this year. And he should fight for top four minutes. And, and Benning, same thing. Uh, I have no no concerns with our back end. And worst case scenario, if we do come out sloppy, you got Milan Lucic over there that'll punch somebody in the face in the dressing room, and they'll, and they'll right the ship. And also, oh, we got Peter Shirelli, who's not afraid. He's not afraid to pull the trigger and improve this team. We we have a management group. We have a coaching staff that's seasoned. A manager that does not care where you were drafted, who drafted you, where you were from. You know what? If you're not helping this team, you're gone. He's going to replace you. So it's great time to be an Oiler fan right now. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see us kick the crap out of the out of the Flames next Monday. I want to see McDavid. I want to see Drysdale just walk Hamannick on a on a shiftly basis. And that's all I have. And I did say shiftly, not not anything bad. Yes, so. I know. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> so anyway, that's all I have. And and just excited. This is this is great. I love the Oilers. I love the city of Edmonton. And let's go Oilers! Right on. That's Chris from Phoenix. Extra enthusiasm from Chris tonight. He always brings the enthusiasm. It's like when you get pickles and then you want extra pickles. He was extra pickles tonight. If you would like to be extra pickles, 780-496-0063. All right. Well, he's got confidence in the D. You know, again, I just think for the team to to reach an elite level, they're going to have to have reliable secondary scoring. Whether that's from Strom, whether that's from Nugent Hopkins, whether that's from Lucic, Maroon keeps it up. Uh, Kajula has a step forward. Slepeshev has a step forward. And hey, and there's the there's the beauty of it. And I think that's why there's optimism. 
is that you're listing off several names and you're not saying, well, it's all on these two guys to step up. Uh, I mean, there were some players last year that had career years, like Maroon, like Latestu. That was primarily on the power play for Latestu. So if those guys don't repeat it, there are other contenders to, to fill in with those strong supporting roles. So about Ryan Strom, and this is this is really interesting, and Todd McClellan, as he often does, you know, drops an interesting little detailed tidbit into his comments. So uh, he was asked about Strom today, you know, having been traded for Everly. I think the, uh, the strength and the um, size factor uh, favors uh, Ryan a little bit more than, uh, than Jordan, but... Uh, you know, one thing that, that Ebbs did do is he shot the puck a lot, and we're going to ta- challenge uh, Strom to do the same. We've got to get his his shot totals up a little bit. Um, it's a long year, and to only have 114, 115 shots on goal with his skill level and the players he'll play with, he's got to get the puck there a lot more, and, um, you know, that'll be a challenge for him. Okay, so that that is interesting. There's a very specific detail from Todd McClellan, and now that he's throwing that out there, something we can all watch for for Ryan Strom this season is how many shots is he getting? Is he, get, you know, are they difficult shots to stop? Is he in the difficult areas of the ice? But just in terms of pure shot totals, now I try not to do a lot of math on this show because they don't always work great on the radio, but four seasons in the NHL for Ryan Strom. Here are his shots on goal per game from year one to year four. 2.4, 2.2, 1.86, and then last year 1.65. So his shots per game has decreased every year. And by, you know, over half a shot, after by about almost three quarters of a shot, from his rookie season. So, you, you know, you multiply, he played 69 games last year, so he plays 70, 80 games. You know, you're, you're getting 50, 60 less shots over the course of an entire season. So there, there's something McClellan throws out there right off the bat. And I went, I went back in our Chet archives for a quote from Peter Shirelli about Ryan Strom when the trade was made, and it was announced back in Chicago while the draft was going on, I guess the day before the draft. And Peter Shirelli said Ryan Strom has a terrific wrist shot. So they have faith in his shot. They believe that he can be a shooter. They believe he can be a dangerous shooter. They want him to have the mindset of a shooter. And it appears, if we just go by those numbers, that that leaked out of Strom's game. In, in the last couple of seasons. And, and I, you know, th- it was talked about in the summer that maybe this is a change of scenery trade, right? That Eberly is going to need to get a bit of a new b- beginning with the New York Islanders and that Strom is going to need to be get a new beginning with the Edmonton Oilers. Now, we know from an Oilers standpoint, a, a big part of the deal was the, the salary cap space because Strom makes $3.5 million less than Eberly. But from in terms of a player motivation, inspiration, goal-setting type standpoint that, yes, maybe the change of scenery is going to help new coaches and what are they emphasizing, who do they want the player to be, and they're asking Ryan Strom, saying, you got to shoot the puck. Now, as, as we've talked about with Jordan Eberle to death, and I don't want to turn this into a Jordan Eberle show because he, he's gone, and I know he was a lightning rod for criticism, especially the last couple of years. Jordan Eberle would shoot the puck. Was it always a dangerous shot? And quite frankly, it wasn't. And Rob Brown had maybe the quote of the playoffs last year. Jordan Eberle did not have a good scoring chance on his forehand in seven games against the Anaheim Ducks. I don't think he had one on his backhand either, but you certainly get Rob's point. So they believe Strom can shoot the puck. They believe he has a dangerous, heavy wrist shot. 
They want him to get it away. If he's playing with Dreisaitl or McDavid, then there should be very little excuse for him not getting it away because those are guys who can find passing lanes and can get the puck to their wingers. So, something to think about. Brian Strom was asked what position he likes. I think I could play both. I think that's one of the things uh, Todd talked to me a lot about. I think he uh, likes the versatility, and obviously uh, you guys know he uh, changes the lines a lot, and even I saw that in the playoffs last year. So um, I think to be able to play both is good, and you know wherever I get put is uh, fine with me and get ready to go and have a good start and uh, get some wins. All right, so certainly touching on the versatility. I mean, he's he, he's going to start as a winger. He has the ability to play center, and as we he referenced it there. I mean, everybody knows from watching Todd McClellan as a coach. He will shake things up. He likes. I mean, why wouldn't you like, like versatile players? It's not just you know, it's not just Todd McClellan and coaches in the NHL. I mean, Booger McBoogerton and the North Edmonton Adam Triple A's like versatile players on their roster. So Strom has a little more of an element of that. I think they're going to have him uh, as a winger as as they move along, but he, he seems very excited to be an Edmonton Oiler. Chris and Victoria says, uh, Reed, more importantly, where are Strom's shots coming from? Eberle was a perimeter player. That's what counts. And with David, he's going to have to go to the net and get to the dirty spots. Well, for sure. I was just talking about that. Um, They need Strom to fire it. They need them to get it off quickly. They need him to be in a position, I think, medium to close range where he could really make his shot count and really test the goaltender. So there you go. I mean, of all the storylines we're going to have this season, I, I think Todd McClellan has given us maybe the headline for what we're going to watch. And, you know, the preseason, okay, fine, we'll pay attention. But once we really launch into the, the regular season, is Strom getting a couple shots per game on a consistent basis. 1.65 shots per game for a player who's going to be in a top six role, likely with a pretty good center with the Edmonton Oilers, they're going to need more. And especially, too, if he's on the power play. If he slides into Eberle's spot on the second power play unit, then they're they're going to need him to fire the puck. And if he can get that wrist shot off and and, and test goaltenders, then all the better. Okay, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. Indians and Royals 1-1 in the top of the sixth as the Indians try to extend their 21-game winning streak. Thursday night football, Houston and Cincinnati scoreless there seven minutes into the game. Talk a little bit more about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, his goals for this season when we get back. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. today, Johnny Manziel. His representatives telling the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, that they uh, want a contract offer from the CFL club. That was on September 2nd. So the CFL rules say the Tiger Cats then had 10 days until last Tuesday to make a contract offer, trade Manziel's CFL rights, or simply stand pat, which would have meant Manziel automatically coming off Hamilton's negotiation list. I mean, this is what CFL teams can do. You can have guys on a negotiation list, American players. You don't have to draft American players. Um, So apparently multiple teams have expressed interest in getting Manziel's rights. 
And so the Tiger Cats requested an extension until Sunday, which they got. Who wants to bet he winds up a Saskatchewan Rough Rider? Hey? I mean, Chris Jones tried with Vince Young in the preseason. That didn't work out. He's going to wind up a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. It is 6.50. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 6.30, The Eskimos will go to Toronto tomorrow. They play uh, there against the Argos on Saturday, 12.30 for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 2. We'll have Argos general manager Jim Pop on the show between 7 and 7.30. Guess what? I'm going to ask him what they're going to do about their attendance. Just like every Toronto Argonauts GM has been asked for the last 30 years. I will say this, Jim Pop did deal with poor attendance in Montreal when he was with the Alouettes, and it got better. So hopefully he can do that in Toronto as well. It'd be, it'd be nice to have a game on the TV there that you know didn't look like they, it had the attendance of a physics class. And I say this because I assume physics is the most skipped of all the classes. <laughs> uh, they need to put out more bobblehead nights. Bobblehead nights always get the people into the seats. In a read. physics class or at a football game? Well, both. Why not? I think you'd be a horrible marketing man. <laughs> I don't think the people of Toronto are clamoring for Argos bobbleheads. Maybe they are. Well, then don't offer bobbleheads of Argos. Have like a Dwayne The Rock Johnson bobblehead night or something. He was a Calgary Stampeder. Briefly. He was a Calgary Stampeder, yes. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. A little more Todd McClellan here. Well, I'm confident it's going to work out, but there are moving parts, and uh, those parts can move uh, up and down lines. Um, they can move uh, back to different positions. We're going to try, try Drake Kajula on the right side, which is where he ended up in the playoffs for a little bit. Uh, we're going to try him there and see how he handles... Uh, that job throughout training camp and some exhibition games, but uh, those pieces are are moving all the time, in my opinion, and they still need to be sorted out. So Kajula, right wing, that doesn't surprise me. He finished the playoffs there. I thought he was actually pretty effective down the right side, better than he was at center. So there's another little tidbit from McClellan. Okay, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. We all know the situation. He was one of the core guys during the end of the dark years. Hall, Everly, Nugent Hopkins, they were all kind of linked. Maybe Yakupov and Schultz to a lesser extent. Everybody else is gone. You know, maybe Dubnik was going to be the goalie of the future. He's gone. You still got Nuge. You know, Hall was gone two summers ago. Everly was gone this summer, or last summer for Hall. So they were all making $6 million. You got Nugent Hopkins making $6 million. And... 43 points in 82 games last year, not on par with what a player of that salary would generally make. Down the middle, you got Connor McDavid, leading scorer. You got Leon Dreisaitl, new huge contract, $8.5 million. So, to find Nugent Hopkins, does Nugent Hopkins need to be in a different spot? Does he need to go to the left side? Here's McClellan. A year ago at this point, we, uh, we played Nuge on, on the left wing in, uh, in the World Cup uh, for short stints, not for uh, a permanent uh, position, and, and he was uh, quite good there. Uh, but I still believe his uh, skill set, assets, strengths, 
uh, hockey mind all come down the middle and um, he'll start there. Um, we don't ever want to uh, you know, say that, uh, that we won't do it because there's a chance we will, but uh, it's not a, uh, a priority of ours to try him there at this point. All right, so it's, it seems like he's got him locked in. I mean, I, I, I still believe if somebody goes to a wing, it's Dreisaitl going to a right wing. I think that's more likely than Nugent Hopkins going to the left wing. Now, he's going to have to pick up his offensive game. He's going to have to improve on his face-offs, which we've said every summer for the last however many years. But Nugent Hopkins knows he has to start hitting the score sheet more. Yeah, I mean, I still want to be that good two-way player, but I mean, uh, I want to find a way to contribute offensively uh, more than I did last season. Um, I mean, if, if it's just working with my line mates and stuff, I mean, uh, different things you can do, but... Um, this summer I kind of focused on a few things that I think should help uh, my shot. did a lot of skill work and stuff, so uh, I'm feeling good going into this season. Um, like I said, I still want to be a reliable two-way forward, but um, for me to take the next step, i got to find a way to produce uh, uh, more offensively. And look, I think Nugent, well, I know Nugent Hopkins can do it. We've all seen him do it. He had 52 points in 62 games as a rookie. His best points per game of his career, as we all know, most guys don't peak offensively as a rookie, pretty much in any sport, any league. We have seen Nugent Hopkins be an assertive, confident offensive player. I mean, I remember a goal he scored a couple of years ago in Philadelphia, broke down the right wing, just took charge, burst of speed, cut to the net, scored the goal. The thing is, he does not do that a lot, very seldom. I, I think it's in him to do it. I think he was so focused on playing well in his own end and improving that part of a game, it sapped some of his offense. Now he has to figure out a way to do both, to be a two-way player. Because if you're mainly checking, if you're mainly concerned about checking, you're not really a two-way player. You're a one-way player with that one-way being defense. I think he can do it as a center. Maybe he's going to be with Jokinen and Puglio Yarby to start the season. We'll, we'll see what happens through training camp here. But I, I, and maybe it's not going to be here. I mean, we all know about the trade talk for next summer, all that. But I, I refuse to believe, as someone who's watched sports, that this guy's best season is going to be as a pro when he was 18 years old. I think there's more there. I think there's more confidence there. I think there's more jet speed there when he wants to turn it on. There's more power play production. I think it's all there. And I think a lot of it for Nugent Hopkins is, is the willingness to grab it and assert himself where he can say, I don't care what McDavid and Leon are doing. I want to go out there and be a star and drive the offense when I'm on the ice. Inside Sports on Chet. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.